hello. Welcome to the second episode of Just Fade It. Um, today, I'm going to break down. I didn't really anticipate doing another tournament breakdown, but as long as they're uh, amazing tournaments to watch, like what we've got in the past two weeks, I might just keep doing it. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about the, uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii over there at Wailai Country Club. Um, what a tournament. I mean, back-to-back weeks of just some awesome finishes, more primetime golf. I think I'm going to lobby for some more tournaments um, in Hawaii just so I can enjoy the, uh, you know, the, the finishing up of the, the rounds after my kids are asleep and I can actually pay attention to what's going on. Big fan of that. But yeah, uh, just want to talk about some, some of the uh, news from the week, mainly to deal with the tournament. I know there are some other uh, you know, non-tournament news in the golf world. We can get to that as well. Um, but just some of the highlights that I got and gathered from the, from the Sony Open. I know Jim Furyk was the first-round leader for much of the uh, day on Thursday. Didn't really get to watch him play much. Definitely was cool to see. Um, always enjoyed watching Jim play. I mean, I, I didn't really like watching him swing because it always would give me bad swing thoughts. But uh, I always had a lot of respect for the guy, um, especially because he just kind of, you know, put puts it around, doesn't hit it very far, just uh, just a laser. Um, but I want to talk about Kevin Na for a little bit. It might be a little underrated. It seems like Na is one of the lesser liked guys on the tour. I'm not really sure as to why completely, but I personally, I love watching Kevin Na play golf, mainly for the reasons that a lot of people I think like watching Jordan Spieth is that it's a, an emotional roller coaster. Um, I get that same exact feeling when watching Kevin Na play. <laughs> he is just so focused on every shot. Um, he's very up and down with his emotions whenever he, I, I'm all about the walking in the putts, even, <laughs> even when it doesn't work out. Um, but just his, his tee shots, his approach shots, I mean, just from his body language, it, it always looks like it could be a, a, in a terrible position, but he, that's just how he is. You could just tell he's out of all the players on tour, he's probably in the top percentile and being hard on yourself. <laughs> and so for that reason, he's just very, he's a very entertaining watch. So when, when Nas is in the hunt, I'm, I'm there for it. Plus he, he can go low. Um, and I love, I love uh, that there's, when they, they mentioned it a ton of times, but it's like these guys on tour, especially your uh, shorter hitters that are, you know, just kind of your gritty, you know, I'll score however I have to, kind of guys like Kisner and Na. I love that there's like circled every year on their calendar, like five events that are like, okay, I've got a really good shot. <laughs> at winning these, and they just show up at these events. Um, so, I mean, Nog kind of faded after that first day, but uh, Kisner didn't. But it, it was just fun to watch him. Really, really enjoy watching Nog. Would would like to see him continue. I mean, I guess it's a hot streak. I don't know. Um, but definitely would like to see him maybe uh, snag another win this year. 
pardon the uh, sniffing. Our family's been going through all sorts of sickness here. Um, ever since Christmas, pretty much, we're just passing everything along between each other. Um, and it's another cold, snowy day here in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee area. So probably another reason why I enjoy watching this Hawaii golf so much is that it's, you know, beautiful weather right on the ocean. It's just, uh, it's where I need to be right now. But uh, yeah, Russell Henley and the Georgia boys. <laughs> I just, you know, I kind of lump Henley and Swafford and Kisner. I know I'm missing some others in there. Uh, I mean, I know Bubba went to Georgia, but he's not really a part of that group. He's kind of a loner. But uh, yeah, I kind of lumped them together. Um, they're all kind of similar to me. Um, Kisner's definitely the standout of the crew, but uh, I know Henley was able to pick out a win last year, I believe. I honestly forgot that he won the Sony Open back in 2013. And, uh, you know, I was okay with him if he was going to be the winner. He's not the <laughs> not the sexiest pick, doesn't really move too many needles. Um, but uh, definitely cool to see. You know, I always enjoy watching it when these guys that are, you know, they may have one prior win or two, you know, get in the hunt because to them that's like, that's like a major tournament, you know, a major championship. Uh, just because, you know, they may end their career with four at the most of wins. And so it's just cool to see guys like that get in the hunt. But, uh, gosh, you know, I don't know if there's any out of the listening, the listeners, not sure if any of you guys were Parks and Recreation fans back in the day, but <laughs> I knew there was a guy from the show that, that Henley kept reminding me of. And I, I could not remember his name, but it, it's the radio show host that Leslie gets to, uh, I don't know, talk about her book with. And his name is uh, Derry Murbles. And he just kind of has like a, a real skinny face and a long nose. Definitely uh, a Russell Henley lookalike. I'll give you a quick little uh, Derry Murbles bit. could one say that a book is nothing more than a painting of words which are the notes on the tapestry of the greatest film ever sculpted one could say that but (laughs) that's uh that's your dairy marble segment for you might just have to uh i think henley just going to be called uh marbles or dairy i don't know we'll figure that out we'll figure that out but anyways uh, you know, he looked good uh, for most of the most of the week, you know, and he even looked great finishing up the day or leading up to the, the back nine on uh, on Sunday. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that ending later. But, you know, I'm not really a Russell Henley fan. Just kind of a vanilla golfer. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to Georgia Golf uh, for putting out a bunch of talent out there on the tour. Um, definitely cool to see a classic you know, Seth Rayner design on TV. You know, I was trying to rack my brain for a second and one, I don't know if there is another Rayner course that the tour players play. I Maybe you could consider the Greenbrier. Um, uh, well, that's a McDonald design and maybe Rayner probably assisted with that. It's probably, it's not like a Rayner course. It's, it's known as a McDonald course. Um, plus there's like four courses at the Greenbrier Resort, not for certain which 
well, if they, I think they play TPC Old White, which is a McDonald's course. So I believe this is the only Seth Rainer design that the tour players play. And, you know, not to take a huge shot, but you, the golf Twitter boys, you know who I'm talking about. The Not your big-time media guys, but, you know, the they're, they do their thing. They're all about, which I support, more classic designs getting on uh, tour. But it didn't seem like there's much acknowledgement and praise for the tour from that group uh, for the tour playing this this course every year, which I think is really cool. I mean, they could easily choose another newer, probably Fazio designed, longer or Pete Dye designed, longer course that's more challenging. But it, I, I do think it's cool that they've chosen the tour has chosen to come back to this golf course every year. Um, you know, Rainer got a couple shout outs from the uh, from the uh, broadcast crew. So I, I mean, it's just that's neat. I mean, yeah, it would be cooler if they were put if the if the tour players were using you know balada balls or persimmons. But you know, regardless, it's cool to see a classic design still be on the the tour rotation. And maybe that's the reason um, it didn't get that much recognition from. I'll just keep saying the golf Twitter boys, uh, just because the yeah, it's one thing to see it on TV, but if you're seeing it with modern equipment used, it's it's not really the full experience. Maybe that's why. But yeah, it just seemed a little quiet from that realm of the golf world um, for a week that was uh, played on a, a really cool old school golf course. Um, how about our boy Cam Smith? <laughs> After coming off that win last week at, at the Century Tournament of Champions, I'm not gonna lie, I was uh, all in the hype for Cam Smith. I was like totally here for uh, a back-to-back win, and uh, here he goes and misses the cut. So who knows? Maybe I did hear uh, somebody say something about him changing putters or experimenting with a new putter, and I was just thinking, I mean, who in their right mind would win a tournament, especially when it shooting 34 under and then change putters? But maybe they were saying that he experimented with a new putter prior to the Century Tournament of Champions. So maybe this was just the second week he's used the new putter and just wasn't quite as hot. I don't know. But that, that was a little suspicious. But uh, yeah. A little surprised to see Cam miss the cut after, you know, pretty much destroying Kapalua. Um, yeah, definitely interesting. Speaking of another miscut, cut, we're just going to go through and uh, do a little quick uh, drive-by here at Graham McDowell. I just was scoping the names on, <laughs> on the uh, miscut list. And gosh, talk about a guy who is just riding the hype of, of past glory days. I mean, what is the what is the the biggest highlight of Graham's career in the past like five years? I mean, I, I'm sure I'm just missing something. Maybe I'm sure he's won some Euro Tour events, but the fact that man, I just seriously forget that he's on tour. But whenever he's shown, people just still give him so much praise. Like, oh, what a excellent golf player. Um, I just, yes, I'm sure he's great. He's, he seems like a really good guy, like a guy's guy. But 
I mean, that U.S. Open that he won was back in 2010, right? Going on 12 years ago. What has he, what has he done since then? I mean, let's see what his uh, professional wins are. Let's check the PGA Tour first. So, okay. So he won the Corrales Putacana Championship in 2019. Um, Mayakoba 15, RBC in 13. So, yeah, that's right. The The U.S. Open was his first PGA Tour victory. Hasn't won a bit on, an event on the PGA Tour since March of 2019. So going on three years there. Uh, let's check Euro Tour. Okay, hasn't won a European Tour event since um, February of 2020. He won the Saudi International. So... I mean, seriously. I mean, I know he's he's getting a little up there in age. I mean, he's 42, but back, you know, I guess it's not the same nowadays, but back in the day, it seemed like that was kind of like your heyday for a tour player, uh, your early 40s. But, yeah, it just seems I respect the guy. But every time he's shown on TV, it's like, oh, Graham, great golfer, wonderful golfer. Is he anymore? <laughs> I mean, I know people joke a lot about Justin Rose falling off the face of the earth, mainly due, I would say, to his quick little relationship with Hanma, um, but I I mean, it's not even close to how bad Graham McDowell has fallen off. I mean, should the guy just retire? I mean, I know it's a little too much, but quick little drive-by shooting there on our guy Graham. Hopefully he can revive the career and do something this year, but uh, okay, let's just get to it. I know I've been uh, pit-putting around here, dilly-dallying. Our guy, Hideki Matsuyama, just goes straight Terminator mode on 18 um, twice, I guess. But, I mean, goodness. I know the guy had pretty much like the best putting week of his career, which is pretty crazy. Um, but... I just I didn't watch him a lot, I'll be honest, for the whole week, but I did see the last like most of his final round with him and Henley and his swings off the tee. He was just so aggressive. Um it just seemed like he was swinging so much harder than I'm used to seeing him swing. He was taking such aggressive lines, really just bullying this old course built in, you know, the the 1920s. Um that's really what he was doing. And, yeah, just the aggressive lines that he was taking. I mean, 18 specifically. I could go back. I need to go back and just watch him play that hole again. But he took a club length, which I don't remember seeing anybody do this before. So took a club length back from the tee box um, and was, like, in the far right corner of the tee box so he could have the perfect line over the tree line on the left. I mean, it's a, it's a hardcore dog leg left. Um, and just executed it to perfection. Um, and then when you <laughs> compare that with poor little Russell's uh, shot, it looked, honestly, it was, it was honestly kind of pitiful whenever you compared the two. And, I mean, another thing for Russell, is there anything more intimidating than a guy gunning for your throat that doesn't even speak your own language? Like, like you can't really chit chat with him or you know make small talk throughout the round which he may not want to do anyways but this guy is he's he's trying to destroy you (laughs) Hideki going for Russell doesn't 
Like it just makes it even scarier that he doesn't speak English, that he's just coming, doesn't care. He's not here for the buddy, buddy, buddy talk about it. He's just there to win. And uh, I love to see him just straight up go through the th- for the throat from the top rope with the steel chair, all the wrestling memes. That's pretty much what Hideki did on 18 in the playoff hole um, at uh, YY. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, I'm, I'm really wondering and curious, like, what the rest of his 2022 season is going to look like. I mean, last year was one of the better years of his career, and it just looks like it's going still. Um, I mean, if, if he putts like this again in a major, I mean, you, you would think with how good of a ball striker Hideki is, if he has another close putting week like this, that he's gonna that he could easily snag whatever major that is if he just puts that well gains that I think he gained like seven strokes on the field of putting I don't know that might be wrong but it was it was by far his I think his best putting week of his career um, but oh my goodness I'm all for Hideki winning another major I mean he's he's a really enjoyable uh, golfer to watch I know that the the drum is beaten way too often of his uh, you know, relationship with the Japanese media and all the stress that he has to go through every week, which, which is unreal, really. But it just looks like he's finally gotten that, uh, you know, off his back with, by winning the the Masters, and um, he's just playing a little more loose, kind of. It looks like I don't know, but I'm I'm all here for for Hideki's hot streak just continuing into into 2022. Um, as far as a prediction for him, it's hard to say and predict him winning another major this year, but okay, here, I'll say this. I'm not going to say which major he would win, but I'll, I'll, I'll say Hideki wins either the players or another, or a major of some sort. Okay. So like a one out of five, (laughs) Hideki's going to win one of those. That's just, I'll go off and say that. Um, so let's just say here, you know, we've watched the two, the two tournaments in Hawaii. Um, now we've seen Kapalua. We've seen Wailai. Where, what are our thoughts now on the Sony versus the Century Tournament of Champions? As for me, Kapalua has always been the favorite just because it's the first event of the year. And I don't know that it's just kind of nostalgic for me, always getting excited for the first first golf tournament of the year, but uh, I don't know. I, I've never really paid this much attention to the to the Sony and really enjoyed just, like, looking at the golf course. And I don't know. I, definitely is cool to see the shots of – like, it's such a big contrast because, like, Kapalua is a resort course, very much, like, not a lot else going on in that general area. Um, and whereas Wailai is like right in the middle of the city, <laughs> which is really cool um, to watch, you know, the, the drone footage. But uh, I still would probably lean Kapalua, but Sony has definitely, it, I'll just say n- n- next season, it's going to be uh, further up my list of much watch tournaments. Definitely enjoyed watching it this year. Um, and who's going to complain about two back-to-back primetime golf tournaments, even if they're mixed in there with some NFL playoffs. Um, it was it was really cool to watch. Um, 
What about this? Who is the bigger threat to win a major in 2022? Hideki or Cam Smith? Mr. 34 under then missed the cut, Cam Smith. Um, that's a great question. Because after last week, I'm not going to lie. After seeing, I think it was because of who he beat. This is Cam Smith. As to why I was so high on him going into this tournament and just into 2022 in general. Because he was able to outduel John Rahm, who is, we all know, by far the greatest golfer on earth right now. Um, and it was just, it was a back and forth for the ages. So that kind of elevated his, my view of him, um, I guess, and my predictions for Cam for this year. But after, I don't know, <laughs> I don't want to sound too wishy-washy, but Hideki's already got a major. So that makes me feel like he's not going to be as nervous going into the Masters this year, U.S. Open, PGA, British, whatever. Um, so I Especially to the fact that okay, here's the differences it looks like in their in their game. So Cam Smith not always been uh, known for his driving prowess, but he has been a great putter. Well, it looks like over the off season, Cam shed some pounds and hit the gym and put some speed on his swing and is hitting the ball a, like pretty far. Um, so that's a big strength. Okay, whereas Hideki looks like his strength or his uh, area that he's worked on is the putter. Um, I mean, he had, again, I've said it 10 times, the best putting week of his career. Let's just assume this isn't a fluke. I mean, it very well could be. Probably is. But let's assume this isn't a fluke. And what he did, whatever he's been working on with the putting, is here to stay for a little while, even if it's through the Masters. I just because of his ball striking ability already that he didn't really have to, you know, work on over the offseason. He's a he's a fine driver, one of the best iron players. I would think Hideki's a, a bigger threat than Cam in the majors in twenty twenty two, if that is not a fluke with what what he did with the putter. Um but I'm really gonna be interested to see let's keep a watch on that. Um Hideki and Cam. I mean, we'll keep adding to that as people win this year. But um, two two really interesting golfers that are young. They're both in their late, I think, late both around like 29, 28, 29. They're in their late 20s. Um, very fun to watch. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I'd give the nod to Hideki on that. Um, and now uh, we've wrapped up Hawaii, and now we're we're headed off to California. So I was just I was thinking a little bit. West Coast swing on the PGA Tour versus the Florida swing. You know, what's what's better? What's uh, more fun to watch? I guess I didn't realize how much shorter <laughs> the Florida swing is than the West Coast swing. And I think, too, there needs to be some definition. Like, you know, what defines the West Coast swing? Do you include Hawaii or is, is that the Hawaii swing? If you include Hawaii, you've got, what, two tournaments in Hawaii. Then you've got the American Express. Uh, you've got the Farmers at Torrey Pines. You've got um, AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. Uh, then 
also do you oh then Riviera okay so that's five tournaments uh, okay let's not include um, the Arizona tournaments um, there okay uh, sorry about the technical difficulties there but the Honda Classic okay yes it's paid played at PGA National um, and Palm Beach Gardens and then of course you've got uh, TPC Sawgrass so Clearly, the West Coast swing of the, those three key events, course golf course-wise, trump um, the Florida swing. But I don't know. There's just something. Maybe it's just kind of nostalgia. I, maybe I've just seen more of the Florida swing over the years. Um, yeah, I guess the West Coast wins that. But I will say, don't sleep on Bay Hill specifically for the golf course. Look at the greens. Um, you'll notice they have a different complexion and color than any other greens that you'll see on tour. And I, I just am really curious why, um, but I, I really would like to go go play it because I know it's, you know, I can't go play Riviera. <laughs> Playing uh, Pebble, you know, you can. It's just a little little difficult. Um, but, you know, Bay Hill is uh, a little more accessible. I'd like to, to get down there at some point and do that, especially for someone living here in, in Tennessee. Not, not too bad of a travel. Um, I do think the Florida swing's a little too short. I would, okay. My thoughts after the concession, the WGC, I guess it, what was it? The, the um, I don't even remember which WGC sponsor it was, but it was whatever was played at the concession golf course last year. I, I was kind of hoping that it would be there to stay. I really enjoyed watching that golf course. It was really tough. Um, I mean, it's cool seeing some of the best or the best pretty much golfers on, on tour or in the world struggle <laughs> pretty mightily. Some of them there were really struggling um, at that golf course. I mean, I, I remember specifically Rory was just not having it there. Um, and I think that's when Billy Horschel first kind of heated up last year. He had a really good season. Um, I think he had a couple hot mic moments <laughs> at that golf course. Um, and then Morikawa won it. That's right. So, yeah, that was fun. Definitely would like to see them go back there at some point. Um, then, okay, I know the big news out of uh, this past week outside of the Sony Open was definitely the announcement of the Netflix series, the documentary that uh, the crew from Drive to Survive, the, the F1 series, are doing now with the PGA Tour players. I know many has, people have spoken on this so far. I'm not going to delve into it too much. Um, I know there's some key uh, people missing from the documentary, mainly being uh, Bryson, Rory, uh, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm. Those are the kind of big names that aren't in the documentary. But, okay, I'll just say this. So with all the, the Bryson discussion about him choosing not to be in the documentary and a lot of people kind of, I don't know, in my opinion overanalyzing his response as to why he's not listen I am all for him not being in this documentary uh, this guy has spent the past two pretty much years of his life and the past two seasons they've been pretty much a rolling documentary on his life you know we've we've heard one million times the fact that he's gained 30 pounds of muscle and that he's added so many miles per hour on his swing and so many yards in his drive and whatever it's been a documentary. We've lived through it. The guy's got his YouTube channel. Let him do the, do his thing. I really could care less if he's in this documentary. 
um, don't think it would add or detract too much from it. Um, now, I am a little bummed personally that Patrick Cantlay is not going to be featured in it. Uh, just because I think I mentioned last week, he's he's one of my favorite guys on tour now. I, I just find him really interesting. Um, I love his competitive nature. Um, he's a little quirky. Um, he's got a lot that he has to deal with every week leading up to an event with his back. Um, so I think seeing all of that, um, especially around a major, you know, he's been really, really, you know, hot in regular tour events, but not quite the major. So it would be cool to see him, you know, one show his pre round routine and then see him kind of handle the pressure of, you know, maybe getting that monkey off his back with winning a major. Um, but yeah, that's one I would like to see. Uh, of course, Rom, everybody loves John Rom. He's just a cool, interesting guy, very smart, um, world number one. So it's kind of a bummer. He's not on it, but, uh, all in all, I think it's going to be really cool. I think the, to me, the the two guys to watch on this that have said agreed to it are Ricky and Brooks. Um, Brooks, just for the reasons like we all know, we know that he he's a different kind of golfer when the majors come around. Um, he's a great golfer in general, but he's an exceptional golfer in the majors, and it's going to be really neat to see them. I really hope they do document just what he does differently to prepare for a major championship. Um, compared to how he prepares for just a regular tour event like the Farmers or something. So that's that's going to be must-see <laughs> must see TV. And then with Ricky, I mean, the guy's trying to revive his career. He's not that old. He's in his early 30s, um, trying to become a top 10 player again. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot of really good things in his career, and I think he's got a lot left in the tank. And who knows, maybe this could be what propels him back to relevance on the tour. So... I think those two storylines specifically are going to be, to me, the the most interesting. But uh, yeah, thank you all for your continued support and following the uh, the Instagram page and listening to this podcast. Um, I know we've got some international listeners, which is really cool. Love to see that. So, let uh, for now, uh, I'd say the easiest way to get in contact if you want to suggest topics for the next episode or um, just chatted up about golf uh is dm the instagram account just fade it um and keep keep listening and spread the word about uh your new your new favorite golf podcast (laughs) but until until next time everyone have a, a great week and hopefully it's warm where you live so you can uh hit a few golf balls for those of us that cannot but yep adios